I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Happy Friday to you. It is the 10th of September. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. I'm Nadine Blaney, here with Andrew Gagan. Hey, Nadine. How it you going? It ended up today. You what? Sorry? The market ended up today. Yeah, well, um, given where we ended up yesterday, uh, I guess, what are we, buying the dip? Pretty wobbly week overall. In fact, Andrew, down for the S&P ASX 200 by 1.5% over the five trading days down 1.7% in the month of September so far. So That all came yesterday. Pretty much. Yeah, because it was what, off about 1.8, wasn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. um, it's sort of true to form. You know, we do expect to see a bit of selling in, in September, and uh, that's what's been happening. But I would say, interesting to note again, the Australian market underperforming what happened around most of the region. Uh, with the Hang Seng, you know, up by meh, about 1.5% late in the day's trade. And are uh, we seeing strength in Japan as well? So there's just some regional perspective. Yeah, so what is it about Australia then? Is it that ongoing uncertainty about COVID, given we're still seen to be you know, behind the pack? Well, I think a lot of it this week has to do with commodity prices as well. But now that you're speaking of COVID, plenty of conversations on the channel about, well, not just New South Wales reopening plan and what that will mean, but... You know, just the general, I suppose, is it, is the sense that you get a better feeling about where we're headed now that we have some sort of light at the end of the tunnel, if not a date? Well, actually, Nadine, we were talking about this at the beginning of the week and the optimism perhaps that was there that, you know, and obviously subsequently New South Wales came out with its roadmap. So that, and, and speaking to a number of chief executives throughout the course of the week, they're saying they expect it to be a bumper Christmas. Uh, but is that realistic? I mean, we we heard that a couple of weeks ago from Alan Joyce, thinking you know they're going to be up and flying full strength by that time. I'm not now not so sure um, because you're getting maybe the lift of the lockdowns, but it's a question of being locked out of those states that will still not let people in, such as Queensland and WA. Yeah, it's a pretty incredible situation we find ourselves in. I was online last night looking at uh, flights. You know, getting a bit of wanderlust. You were dreaming. Missing a few people. But yeah. uh, look, Alan Joyce, I thought it wasn't going to be expensive when you could tr- start traveling overseas. It certainly looked the opposite to me. But um, Well, as a, the problem for me is that um, I'd sooner get to London than I will Perth at this point. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh. I've got family in Perth as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that with the optimism it always does seem to be tempered i had a good conversation today with ben gilbert from jardin and that's available via the show notes but he was saying yeah um a lot of what he's thinking about right now is the consumer so we're told we're all cashed up we are dying to get out and spend but will we be able to to the extent that we would like on goods if you consider supply chain risk perhaps shortages those shortages which i would not really connected the dots together could in fact lead to 
excess inventory on behalf of retailers, which then leads to discounting. So there's still sort of a lot of thinking through of some of these big market themes and how they will impact companies. Yeah, remember this played out for Kogan negatively because they just managing inventory proved to be really difficult for them. And uh, they copped it as a result that uh, they had all this excess stock. However, interesting, we heard from uh, Henry Jennings today too. He was actually quite positive on Kogan now because they're in a good position as we head into Christmas because perhaps we got all this pent-up demand that's going to be unleashed come Christmas time. Yeah, as long as they can fill those orders. I did... um my first spot of Christmas shopping today because everybody keeps telling us that there could be these shortages and supply chain risks and difficulty in um, in getting stuff. Presumably, this is not um, home goods, as in you've stocked the house already because we did that last year, didn't we? <laughs> I still haven't got my couch. Oh, Speaking of okay. supply chains, it was supposed to arrive two weeks ago. Anyhow. Um, well, no. unless that has a chip in it. I don't see what the problem is. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, actually, if you subscribe to the weekend newsletter, it's called Off the Clock. If you don't already, you might want to get on board. Annette Beecher has picked her chat with a company, um, Weebit Nano, I think it is, just going by memory, who was talking to her about semis. And uh, so she was pretty interested in that. That's in the weekend newsletter. But I guess I'm getting ahead of myself here, Andrew. Um, what kind of conversations did you have today that were sort of, you know, Friday chat or chatter? Yeah, a bit of geopolitics, which uh, always seems to be, you know, when you look back at the week, what's going on around the world, um, particularly El Salvador and crypto uh, in that market. Now, of course, we saw some really incredible price movements. I say incredible. We shouldn't be surprised. should be with crypto. Uh, But obviously, uh, just in the past 24 hours or 48 hours, we saw that huge drop off uh, led by Bitcoin. Some of that related to what was going on in El Salvador as they, you know, officially adopted uh, Bitcoin as legal tender. Uh, And now Ukraine doing the same thing. And I had an interesting chat, in fact, with uh, Ian Love from Blockchain Assets uh, out of Perth. Um, And he's right on board. He provides this fund where you can invest in these blockchain assets. And uh, he's saying, look, this is an interesting experiment, as he calls it, of nations adopting crypto. He says it's going to take about a decade for this to play out. But he sees long term that it will be a thing. Uh, but, of course, you're going to have extreme volatility in the meantime. But actually, what he's into at the moment is play to earn. That's in the gaming space, using blockchain mm-hmm. as the platform. Don't ask me to explain how this works, <laughs> right? <laughs> Listen to the interview, Nadine. <laughs> Nonetheless, he sees a huge opportunity in there and particularly getting on board both crypto and gaming at the same time. It's got to be a winner, hasn't it? Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, yeah, in my spare time, I'll get across it all. I think it's really interesting, though, that we've got these countries adopting you know, different digital currencies, whereas others are talking about creating their own digital currencies. So it's just such an interesting area of conversation. And I know one that's piqued your interest, you know, really, as of late, I think every day you're speaking with somebody about crypto, you must be our crypto encyclopedia. No, not yet. No, in fact, there's another guy in this office who works (laughs) behind the scenes, who in fact is responsible for us being on air every day. Hari, I'll call you out right now. He is he is our crypto man to follow. This is true. <laughs> but this is then true. He's the youngest guy in the office, isn't he? Well, yeah, I'd say he is. Um, sometimes I ask him for questions when I'm halfway through an interview, to be honest, or he sometimes just gives them to me. Shout out to Hari, who is out getting his second vaccine. What a legend! Oh, well done. Now the stock of the day was Santos. It was um, 
yeah, a beacon of light on the corporate landscape today. There's not a lot of big company news out there, but making it official with the oil search so that $21 billion merger looks like it'll go ahead if, of course, all approvals come through. And I spoke with Adam Dawes from Sean Partners and June Lu from Tribeca Investment Partners to see what they had to say. First of all, I would say uh, oil companies and energy companies basically need to either get big or go home is is pretty much uh, my response. And we've seen Woodside and BHP talk about merger of their oil and gas assets. We're certainly now seeing Santos and Oil Search looking to uh, do the same as well. So, look, it, it is very much in line with what's going on with this ESG investing and all of the stuff that's going on with these guys. Probably potentially a better merger for the Oil Search team or the Oil Search shareholders than the Santos shareholders. I think you'd be best to play Woodside BHP's side of things. So I'm going to say a whole. So look at ESG, rise of ESG, we'll see more of those, uh, the limited investor base really for these sort of assets. Um, and the, which does make those assets in the short term very, very attractive. Uh, valuation is not very high for them to merge. It's going to create a lot of value. I like Santos um, and I think the merger is going to create a much better business. Actually, quite contrary to um, Adam, I don't quite like uh, Woodside. You will have a war of selling um, for Woodside stock, um, you know, in six month time. So it is going to put pressure on that stock and relatively it does make Santos and oil search look more interesting. Well, so that was Santos. It's not going in the portfolio. In fact, um, yeah, Adam's saying he likes Woodside Petroleum a bit better right now. Hey, it was a big week for central banks, RBA, BOC, ECB. ECB. Isn't that a great quote? What was it, Christine Lagarde? The lady uh, is not for taper. <laughs> she takes that from well, anyone who knows, perhaps who's a little older, that comes from uh, Margaret Thatcher, the lady's not for turning. Um, but that's going to stick for a while, isn't it? I think so. Because, I mean, we know that she's a dove, uh, but you sort of get the sense that her arm has been twisted somewhat behind the scenes. Yeah, and... <laughs> Look, it's still a very dovish, dovish, excuse me, ECB. But uh, I had a good chat with Kathy Lien from New York a little bit earlier today, and she said, "Look, it makes the December meeting very live, uh, and it just makes all the other central banks, particularly the U.S. Fed, really important between now and then, because they tend to sort of all move in tandem and wait for one another." But yeah, I thought that was a classic line. It will go down. We'll be talking about, just as we talk about Mario Draghi and his big bazooka and, you know, all of these classic lines that will continue to get rolled out and rolled around and talked about. I don't think it was an accident she rolled that one out. Yeah, another one is what? Uh, talking about talking about tapering <laughs> yes, or something like that? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Tonight, U.S. inventories and producer prices both issued. Next week, Andrew, here we get jobs, which, look, it, it's... It's going to be hard to call, but but it's going to be a negative one considering where we are at. Well, we had that payrolls data yesterday, which was uh, negative again. But, I mean, no surprise given what's going on in the two largest states in the country at the moment as far as uh, the lockdowns and how that's impacting uh, jobs. But there's still – I mean, vacancies are looking positive, but who's going to fill those? Uh, particularly when you have, you know, the borders closed, um, some 300,000-plus foreign workers locked out. Um it's going to take a while for some of these companies to bounce back, regardless yep. of you know whether the borders are up or down. And when, yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. But and we forgot to mention RBA, of course, with their um, dovish taper mm. as well. Um, but the, you know the jobs data is what they are looking to. Uh, now in the US, 
Well, well, here at home, I'll just say we get NAB business survey next week. We also get consumer confidence for the month of September. But in the U.S., really important as well is retail sales and U.S. consumer sentiment because Delta sweeping through so much is dependent on the U.S. consumer. And that retail sales read will give a really good indication if, in fact, Delta is scaring people away. Well, the other issue to consider there is that um, so many U.S. workers are now uh, coming off their benefits. Mm -hmm. So they're being forced to actually go and look for a job, which is clearly going to be a benefit to the economy. Um, but uh, And they'll have an incentive to actually go and fill those jobs too. Yeah, I think it's fascinating how all this is going to play out and how Delta continues. COVID, you know, essentially continues to really colour every single aspect of our life, of our conversations, of the news. Andrew, we're just learning that the Therapeutic Goods Administration, I mean, would you have ever thought late on this Friday afternoon saying that it is... Um, it's put new restrictions on prescribing Invermectin for COVID-19 here in Australia because doctors were prescribing it, pharmacies were filling it, and so they're now only allowed to prescribe it for TGA-approved conditions, which is scabies and, and certain parasitic y conditions. Yeah, well, dare I say the horse is bolted. <laughs> Hashtag 2021. <laughs> that's all I got to say. I'm out. I'm calling it a week on that news coming from the TGA. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Quite bizarre. And yeah, as I said, a bit, bit late to the party, given that uh, it is a horse. It is a drug for horses after all. Anyway. Well, horses and Joe Rogan. Nothing should surprise yeah. us in this current environment, I would have thought. I hope you have a good weekend. The weather in, in Sydney, at least, is supposed to be fantastic. Makes all the difference, doesn't well, it? You can enjoy it on your balcony in your backyard, <laughs> I guess. Andrew, let's stay optimistic <laughs> heading into the weekend. Have a good one. You too. Thanks, Nadine.